0: to five. Pass is intercepted. Says a prayer. A oh, stop it! Oh please! <laughs> what a catch! That's insane. That's, insane. That's insane! The game's final play is a Wilson and lock to the end zone. Which is one more by Tate with Jennings! Simultaneous! Who has it? who do they give it to? Touchdown! Oh, no, no, no. Welcome into Simultaneous Catch, folks. I am Adam Jeffrey Rossi. And my name is Josh Lapping. Been off for a couple of weeks here, kinda. Moving our schedules around, stuff like that. We recorded last week, didn't we?
1: Uh, we didn't record that. No, we week, pushed we a off. week. That's right,
0: we pushed a week. We were gonna push another week. Uh, some things got moved around a lot. Uh, we're both starting these. Well, you've been in West Virginia for a while. We talked about that, but I'm starting this new life in North Carolina, so things have been moving around. But we're back with our last of the divisional. Don't tell people my personal business. Adam. It's fine, man. Uh, <laughs> we're we're back with the last of our divisional previews today. We're gonna do what? the.
1: what? I don't think we've ever done that. We've we're never what? done it.
0: Listen, we've never gotten we've never past made it one. All the way through. We've never gotten past one. I don't. think. <laughs> I feel like those are very <laughs> exclusively like rare recorded episodes that are never released. There is absolutely an unreleased episode from I, I think it's last year that we we referenced during the year when we were watching when we were watching football last year. It was like that's a breakout guy from our unreleased episode that never came out. <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic, but yeah, uh, welcome to Soundstage Catch, folks. We're happy to preview the NFC and AFC Easts today. Uh, we have. Breakout players, rookies that we like, division winners, all that jazz, saving our teams for the last week. We're going to have uh, our Dallas correspondent on the episode this week, uh, but we figured it might be best to give him some more time to speak with him rather than rather just saying, hey, give me a breakout, give me this, and moving on. So yeah, we're going to do our Easts today, uh, talking to some news and notes a little bit, and then in the next coming weeks, we'll be doing fantasy stuff and also our prediction show where we pick our MVPs. Uh, we run through all the division. We reiterate the division winners. We'll pick wild card things like that. And the NFL's biggest season and the second season with seven playoff teams on each side. I'm very excited to see uh, where we land on this. Obviously, we've talked a little bit about both teams and, or both you know division winners for most of the for most of the league. But uh, I'm really as I've dug into like looking at what the season will look like to me. Uh, more and more, I'm surprised by like teams that I think are actually going to be pretty decent. This year compared to last year.
1: I always get a little skeptical when you do your season breakdown things, though, because you do so many. And then sometimes you're like, why does this <laughs> team have 14 games played? And I'm like, how, what's happening?
0: <laughs> well, we, we both- you
1: know, I, I will say on a separate note, sorry, cut you off. No, you're fine. I, I came in uh, to work today and then I got accosted by a co-worker about how I did not recall my pick of the Colts uh on the last episode Ooh. so uh, he's obviously listening so i don't know if they're listening in the shop or that it's just a individual thing but thanks guys for listening i appreciate you awesome. Yeah, first I, of
0: all awesome second of all i'm starting this is actually a good way to get into news and notes because i am starting to get skeptical again because i've been so confident about uh the colts and we're hearing reports that both carson wentz and uh quentin nelson are on track to be able week one now we don't know if that'll really happen, and you know, being sure, sure, sure. being quote unquote ready week one doesn't necessarily mean they would play. But that's way more encouraging than the five to twelve or thirteen week range for the injury. So you know, kind of getting the news and notes here. I mean, what do you what do you think about all this? Do you believe this? Do you think this is just coach speak? You know, trying to remain positive, or is this like a real thing? Do you think the injuries may not be as bad as we initially thought?
1: I mean, I definitely think there is an element of coach speak to it. I don't think anyone. I mean, especially a coach like Frank Reich, who is pretty knows the ground business kind of guy, is going to say, oh, yeah, like he's out for three months. It's OK. We're going to move on. Um, so I'm not downplaying the injury. I think it's definitely significant. And maybe they are going to be ready for week one. We talked about that last time on Last time we recorded, I mean, technically that time frame does put them in the eligibility of being ready for week one. Like you it said, does, if yes. that means they play, who knows? Does that mean they play well? Who knows? I actually see them probably sitting maybe the first couple of weeks probably just right. to make sure it doesn't get re I mean, I think something especially... Mm-hmm especially when you look at quentin nelson a a foot injury they're going to be pivoting off of their those the the balls of their feet so often that that could really become an issue if not addressed and made sure it's fully ready so i i don't think we'd see them for week one with that being said i was actually really impressed with obviously actually i can't even remember how that game ended i think they did win even though they were down for a good chunk of it i was impressed with the way those uh young quarterbacks played for indianapolis
0: yeah, they actually looked pretty good. And I like talked, we talked a little bit about Sam Ellinger on that episode because he was a quarterback that I really liked uh, coming out of college as a late round flyer. And he looked really good. I mean, obviously, albeit, you know, it's hard to kind of equate some of these things because some teams' second string defenses are better than other teams. And, you know, like it's sometimes, oh, sure. sometimes it could be tough, but sometimes you also just need to watch them play against football talent and like. There aren't a lot of positions on the rosters to begin with, let alone even the expanded rosters for preseason. These are all good players. Like, none of them are bad players. So, you know, playing well is still playing well. It may not be, you know, necessarily the same as other people because we have Nathan Peterman, the preseason god, who always looks great in preseason and then throws 10 picks in one play. But, I mean, there are still players that find roles. Yeah, exactly. I I literally was going to bring up the fact that, I don't know if you watched the Raider game highlights, but Nathan Peterman looks great. I mean, like, he looked like like a starting quarterback, and I was like, this is why we got talked to Nathan Peterman two years in a row. But regardless, uh, yeah, so you're right. I mean, they both look if pretty... If it makes
1: you feel better, I didn't know Nathan Peterman was still in the league, so...
0: Yeah, he's the he was supposed to be the backup to Carr last year, and he got placed on injured reserve, and that's why Mariota just got the job, but Peterman played the whole game. I don't know if that's because... You know, he did, you know, Gruden wants to just see if they want to keep him on the roster or if he's fighting for the backup spot. I don't know, but he looked great. And I was like, oh, my God, Nathan Peterman. I mean, good for you, man, to just keep making a steady paycheck. But regardless, yes, they both did look pretty good. So I wonder if, you know, it comes to that. And you said, you know what, it's a longer season, one game, but still a longer season, and says, you know what, we'll hold you out a week or two to make sure you're fully ready to go, and then we'll get going. I think that that would make a lot of sense. <laughs>
1: He Frank Reich has been very adamant that it is Carson Wentz's team that when Wentz is ready to return that he is the guy. And I was saying uh, in my justification, Wentz is not a bad quarterback. We've talked about it. I know it's he's a, a much maligned quarterback, especially after last year. Even before last year, he was really a popular name for a, a punching bag quarterback. But he's a steady two to one interception quarter touchdown to interception quarterback. He's just he's he's a solid player and I think a team like Indianapolis just needs a solid not amazing quarterback to to be really competitive. So we'll have to see. Like I said, you said you liked uh Ellinger. I really liked what I saw at Davison especially in the short 2-minute drill. I thought he played more relaxed than he did at any time in the first half until that 2-minute drill and I feel like when you see those kind of fundamentals of just stop thinking and play football that means it's there and you can definitely refine those things but absolutely maybe this is all moot maybe Carson Wentz and Nelson will be under under center and guard come week one who knows
0: we'll see certainly be monitoring it uh maybe there I, I, I don't really want to recall a recall because then he starts to lose its luster you can just change just it. say you like, can just change your mind every week after you make it no we, we <laughs> limit it to one recall per large decision so that we can still gloat if we got it right regardless Uh, Another note that I wanted to bring up because I thought it was fun. Unfortunately, folks, it's a sad day in the NFL because Tim Tebow's stint with the Jacksonville Jaguars has come to an end. And I I watched every snap. And, it, it, like, I just – I mean, he only had a handful of snaps in the second quarter or so. But it was just so obvious he didn't know how to play tight end. And I feel bad. I was going to say, I didn't watch that game. But, like,
1: (laughs) I saw everyone, like – I follow, like, NFL memes and – ESPN, whatever, whatever the heck. And like every single one, like, had like the thumbnail of like him, like, having a really bad block or something. You're like, he's not going to make it. It's so, just, I mean, it it's was clearly just, pretty obvious. Yeah.
0: And I feel bad. And everybody knows how my affinity for Tebow and all that jazz. And there will always be a part of me that I'll take to my grave that thinks that if, you know, the coaching staff that built around Lamar Jackson would have tried to build around Tebow, we could have found a lot more success in the NFL and played a couple more years. But, you know, it's a fun story to root for. But, yeah, I mean, I I was watching. And I was like, at least throw it to him and see if he can catch it. And I think he had one target that was knocked down. But he just was so clear he doesn't know how to play tight end. And, you know, sometimes I I, I look at players that switch positions. And quarterback to tight end is a pretty big one. But any really position change. And it's just obvious how long. Uh, everyone's
1: some... becoming tight ends nowadays. I, I guess you
0: know so. <laughs> Logan Thomas. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin. Kelvin Benjamin. <laughs> um, but it's just so obvious that some of these people have been playing these positions their whole entire lives. There's just a a mastery of it for some of these people that you know making a, a change that late just will never, never quite reach that same level. So, R.I.P. Tim Tebow. You're you're great on college game day anyway. So we'll look forward to seeing you there, but not on the NFL field. <laughs> Any other? I look
1: forward uh, to seeing him on the minor league diamond so that's what i look forward to sounds fantastic
0: any other news and notes when i get into or want to dive right into this preview
1: uh, i just think it's worth noting that uh jamal adams became the highest paid safety in the league today oh so yeah congratulations to him and the seattle seahawks so a four, that's a big deal four years 70 million whether or not like that? Uh, yeah it's a four year 70 million dollar extension Woo. so i know a lot of people some people think Jamal Adams is an overrated safety. Uh, I disagree, some but Some people sure. think he is a great chess piece. Um, some people think he is just a guy. Uh, I definitely think he is a great chess piece. I think you saw when he was in the games, and he could definitely make a difference while rushing the passer. Sometimes he gives up some things in coverage and whatnot, doesn't necessarily have a ton of interceptions. But yeah, um, definitely, I mean, Seattle invested heavily in him. They traded at least – it was two first round picks, I believe. It wasn't just one, was it?
0: For Jamal, no, it was two first round picks.
1: Yeah, it was okay. Thank you. This year, this so year, it, this year, it, and it, next year, I think. So it didn't make sense for them to to not sign him to a long term extension. We knew it was going to come, so here we are, um, a couple weeks out from the season. So at least that right. is. The organization washes their hands from that, and so that's a really good thing for the organization.
0: Yeah, well, in a a passing league, you know, it's a reactionary league. So as the league goes more and more towards passing more and more, it's becoming more and more prevalent to have guys that cover and can make plays in that. So I I, I still hold firm to the fact that it's a whole pendulum and it all swings back. So I in four to five years, watch. It'll be a ground-and-pound league again. (laughs) Probably not. But regardless, let's get into our divisional previews here We're, with the NFC and AFC East. Let's we'll start with the NFC East. Let's start with the team that, uh, to much to the chagrin of, of Josh and Powell's picks, won the division uh, in week week 17, thankfully due to Doug Peterson. The Washington football team, uh, one of the I, – I think sure. they're – I don't know if they're favorites, but if not, they're at the very least uh, second – with Dallas, But winning the division last year, uh, some big uh, t- players that they lost. Uh, they did lose Ryan Kerrigan, defensive end, who went to the aforementioned Eagles. They lost linebacker Kevin Pierre-Lewis. Uh, Ronald Darby ended up going over uh, to the Broncos. They lost Ryan Anderson, went over to the Giants. Um, we've got some signings from the teams. Obviously, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the quarterback, left for Miami. Uh, head over the gets a yet again another starting job. That man just will not quit. Uh, quarterback William Jackson from the Bengals, Curtis Samuel from the Panthers, wide receiver. Uh, Adam Humphrey is another guy that I forgot about who signed from the Titans, who had a couple of nice catches in that game, and I was like, oh, maybe he will be a. Bigger part of this than I thought. Uh, I so, think he's going to be a huge piece. I I was, I was forgot about him, and I was like, oh, wait, who's that little white guy running around catching the pass? I was like, oh, I forgot, Adam Humphries, Adam Rossi? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, big-time draft picks, obviously, Jamin Davis out of Kentucky, the linebacker extraordinaire. Second round, he got Samuel Cosme, offensive tackle. Uh, a player I believe you highlighted, or at least we, you had it in the first round, I think, regardless. Uh dimey brown wide receiver in the third round a lot of people are very excited about him and a couple other here and there so yeah washington making a lot of moves they are plus 275 to win the nfc East right here so they're they're one of the uh one of the favorites along with dallas so how do we feel about washington who's a who's a breakout for you
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with a player. First of all, I really am excited about Adam Humphreys. I think you could definitely say he could be a breakout player, especially after he had a down year in Tennessee last year. I think he is a really great slot wide receiver. This isn't my choice, by the way, but I think okay. his connection with Ryan Fitzpatrick from their time in Tampa, I think that's going to translate, and I think he's going to slide into that slot role really, really well. I've been trying to trade him in our dynasty league that I have him in, and <laughs> everyone's like, who's this guy? And I was like, guys, you're going to regret this when I was like asking for like a fifth-round pick for him. Why wouldn't you just want so. him? <laughs> I mean like I've been I wasn't really trying to trade him for a fifth round pick. I was trying to like package him and people are like, I don't want this Humphreys guy and I was like, That's dumb, because that's a good player. Anyways, I digress. So my player, my breakout player, and maybe this is low hanging fruit, but I'm really excited to see what Curtis Samuel's gonna do here now that he's a guy. Curtis Samuel, as a player, as you very well know, my friend, uh, while he was in Carolina, I just loathed him because I was trying yep. to give DJ Moore the ball all the time, and it just kept seeming to go to Curtis freaking Samuel. So now he's going to be a number two guy. We'll see if that really translates to, because obviously he wasn't necessarily asked to be one of the highest priority guys. He was kind of a gadget player. He did all sorts of things, whether it was wide receiver or while he was running back, but he had over 1,000 yards last season, and that was as that number three Kind of gadget role. Now we'll have to see as he goes overnight. Like I said, he became the number two next to Terry McLaurin, what he'll do. But obviously, he's coming off. He's getting ready to re enter practice. He was having some foot issues, I believe, on practice. So we'll see if that translates. But there's still plenty of time. Obviously, these are professionals to, mm-hmm. to get things under their belt and whatnot. And I, I do think that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to play fairly well. And if not, then they have uh, Heinecke, who obviously was a wild card superhero that a lot of people kind of fell in love with I think including you so I think now that this guy has the opportunity to be a big time player in a more prominent role we're going to see some really good things
0: yes including me I do really like Taylor Heineke we'll see how long Fitzpatrick plays I mean the last time Fitzpatrick started every game for a team was with the Jets uh, that's when they finished. They did finish ten and six, and were a game out of the playoffs. Had a pretty good year. Yeah, they had a really good year. That was the Decker Marshall year. Uh, but in week seventeen, uh, Buffalo knocked them out of the playoffs. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting. They have a- there's a lot of offensive pieces for sure uh, on this team that can absolutely have a breakout. And I I like a lot of the the options. I- I'm gonna go on the defensive side though. It- it's so deep. But they did lose a couple of pieces, and they're moving some things around. And I'm going with a linebacker. I'm going to go with Cole Holcomb, uh, linebacker, nice. and he's a guy. It's his uh, three years in the league, 25 years old, out of North Carolina. Um, but he hasn't he hasn't had like a ton of of big stats in his career, anything like that. But he's just a athletic player. He can get to the quarterback. Uh, last season, he was injured, uh, so he did only really play and. 11, 10 games. Okay, it says here he started 10 games, uh, played in 11. Uh, 70 total tackles, but in his rookie year, he had 99 total tackles. Uh, and last year he got two and a half sacks uh, and an interception. I just think that he's able to move around the field a ton, make plays, uh, create turnovers. He's just got that eye for the, for the football and filling those lanes and stuff like that. And I think with pairing him with the Jamin Davis, who was their first round pick and they still have Bostick as well. That's uh, just a really nice linebacker core for Ron Rivera and, and riverboat Ron. And I think this defense is going to continue to be dominant. Uh, the best if not, top, at least, very least, top three to five in the NFL defense. Uh, so I think that he really can have a breakout season for sure.
1: Yeah, no, that would be super awesome. He, I also have him on the same fantasy team. So I hope you oh, are yeah. absolutely
0: correct. <laughs> All right, let's go to rookies. Who do we have for you as a, as a rookie lookout for?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with the guy that you said I highlighted during the draft. I believe I probably did have him going in the first round. I think getting him in the second round was a steal, yeah, especially yeah. when they weren't in the higher portion of the yeah, rounds. And that is sure. the aforementioned Samuel Cosme out of Texas. I'm really high on this player. He's 6'6", 300-plus uh, pounds, but I think he moves really, really well. He was a three-year starter at Texas. Mm-hmm. I just really like what he does with his hands i think he has great hand strength and he just has a really good bend and flexibility so i'm not sure whether or not he'll late into a starting position right away but definitely name to watch uh in the season as injuries happen or as the years go by we'll we'll see him i'm really confident he's going to be a starter in this league and one that people aren't thinking is a liability so i'm really excited what cosme does i think especially When you think of Riverboat Ron, I mean, we'll have to see. Like we were talking about all those wide receivers, but Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a a pound out the football on the ground kind of game, and they could definitely use a player like this.
0: Yeah, and, you know, a lot of players, most players that fall into the second round are first-round caliber players that just have, you know, one or two things that maybe give you a little bit of doubt. You know, first-round picks are mostly the, you know, least amount of doubt, and then the second round is like, okay, I have a little bit of doubt about this player, but he has the ability. And Cosme certainly has that. Uh, I'm going to go with their uh, third round rookie, Daimey Brown out of the UNC, the guy that nice. I mentioned. I'm just going all over. You know, I moved to North Carolina 14 days ago, and I'm already a homer. So I'm just picking all these North Carolina people. But Daimey Brown is just a guy that I think can. I know that you mentioned Curtis Samuel, and I am also a huge Terry McLaurin fan. Uh, they have Logan Thomas there as well. I mean, they have weapons for this offense. So if they want to just kind of, they sure do. If they want to just let Ryan Fitzpatrick gun it and be the kind of gunslinger that he has been at times in his career, they have the weapons to do that. And they also, they still have Antonio Gibson out of the backfield, who's also a great pass catching back. So they have a ton of things here. I think that you know, and we'll mention this a couple of times in this episode and. Throughout the years, we talk about it. The story of this division this year is can Washington's offense play just good enough or can Dallas's defense play just good enough? Because the opposite side of the football for both teams it are going to be fantastic. It's just can the other side of the football be just good enough and Washington has certainly attacked it in this offseason and I just think Diami Brown he's a speedster I had a couple of nice plays in the in the first preseason game we'll see as it continues and maybe gets more snaps as well but I just I really like the player I think that you have him in our uh in our Diehard Dynasty league um but I also have him in another one And uh, I just think that he can absolutely eventually become a part of this offense. And as much as I do like Curtis Samuel as well, and like I said, Terry McLaurin, I still think that there's a role for a guy like Diamond Brown in this offense.
1: Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with you. I think that's going to be a great – I think Brown's going to be a great player. Unfortunately, I don't have him. (laughs) I I took some other wide receivers. Oh, I couldn't think of it. Maybe I'd have him. My early – Maybe I know you have him in, in, in a lot of places, but I think he's going to bring a great speed element. And obviously, Curtis Samuel is a speedy guy. McLaurin's not slow by any means, but I think Brown is just going to be a great combination of size and speed. That maybe that is going to how he's going to carve out his niche right away. But yeah, I think he's going to fit in there really, really well, and definitely a name to watch for sure.
0: Absolutely, and he. I was just checking really quick to see if I have him. I do not have him. I do have Ramondre Stevenson, though, by the way. How good did he look? We'll talk about him a little bit later. Uh, regardless, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. So let's move on to the next team here, the second-place team that would have gotten— They would, Wait, hold on. No, because the Giants beat the Cowboys. So, yeah, it was the Giants who were in second place who would have been in the playoffs had Philly beaten Washington in, in Week 17. So they'll go to the New York Football Giants. Uh, this is a this is another team that I think a lot of people are have their eye on because this team has so much. Their defense is very good and they just peppered the offense with weapons over the offseason to give the Daniel Jones. So some big additions include they got the huge contract from Kenny Galladay. Uh they signed uh linebacker Reggie Ragland to a one year deal. Uh they grabbed uh Kyle Rudolph. Uh, Mike Glennon, who he might see some time if uh, if Daniel Jones continues to fumble all the time. Um, Leonard Williams, contract extension, that was huge for them after they had trained for him. And uh, yeah, they're just a, like a lot of moving pieces, especially on the offense. Um, oh, shoot, the draft fell apart. I'm sorry. <laughs> so while you do your breakout player, I'm going to bring up the draft so I can mention it in a second. Go ahead. All right. I
1: for sure well i uh my breakout player was last year's mr irrelevant a player that we've both talked about i don't think so much on air but we've talked about in person and that is a linebacker tay crowder uh he had the yeah. opportunity to start some games last year he didn't uh start all year or anything like that obviously being the last pick of the draft it was impressive for him to even make the team and see playing time beyond special teams but he finished the year with 52 tackles a sack uh, and then a fumble recovery which he returned for a touchdown Nice. Uh, I think he's really uh, everything I've read about this kid is he's totally embraced the Mr. Irrelevant name and that's probably something that's Fun for a player that, as you've kind of made it, (laughs) probably not so fun if you get cut and then either bounce around and have a hard time finding a place or don't make it in the league at all. But I think as you kind of start to become ingrained as a starter, it's definitely fun to be like, yeah, I was Mr. Irrelevant. But I think he just (laughs) has a really good head on his shoulders. I'm excited to see now that he... uh, unless something unexpected happens, has the starting role this year. And I just think Joe Judge is is a great coach. I think I really liked what I saw out of him last year. I think he's no-nonsense. We've heard everything about the, the problems going on in Giants camp and some scuffles happening and everyone having to run laps and everything. And I feel like Joe Judge is definitely just a no-nonsense guy that's going to make You play really, really hard, and I think Crowder is a great example of that, and I think we're going to see it translate as he plays with maybe another Georgia alum, uh, the rookie, oh, my gosh, I'm totally blanking on his name. Uh, Aziz Ojolari. Yes, thank you very much. Yes, so, you know, two Georgia Bulldogs out there, and they could be starting together in the NFL. That's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, and this defense is stacked. It's got a ton of good players, you know. Uh, on the, I, I mentioned they in Leonard Williams. They have Tate Crowder. They have Austin Austin Johnson, Blake Martinez, Dexter Lawrence, Lorenzo Carter. I mean, this just stacked. Uh, Jabriel Peppers and James Bradbury in the secondary. Like they just got, they've got players all over the place. And it's, the focus is on the offense for me. The focus is going to be how do they score? And Kenny Galladay's injury. We don't know what that's going to look like carrying over to the season. Will he miss time? How much time will he miss? Things like that. I mean, there's just questions yeah. around it. And obviously, they still have Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton, uh, and their and one of their first round and their first round pick, Kadarius Tony, who I know that you didn't really love that pick as much. But I think the guy that it's going to benefit from all this is a much maligned guy that people like to make fun of, and that's Evan Ingram. I mean, I just. Every year I think, okay, this is the year Evan Ingram is going to break out. He's going to have the huge year. And he just, like, has a problem with drops. But he, he absolutely does. But I think that that's something that can be fixed. I don't think that that's an inherent thing. It's not like he's running the wrong routes or completely forgetting what to do or just, like, not getting open. He just sometimes has a problem with focus. And there are all these stories coming out of camp that he, you know, catches 100 a day and from the jugs machine at full speed. You know what I mean? Like, he's really focusing on that. And, you know, sometimes that can... You know, the hyper fixation and focus can sometimes make it worse, but uh, sometimes I think it can make it better. And I think that he will be a huge uh, 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 component for this offense this year. Last year he had 63 catches, 654 yards, and, a, and only one touchdown. But I really, really believe that, you know, it's going to be a big year for him because they are going to need him in this offense. And I think that, you know, to start off, it'll be a necessity just based on the fact that, you know, Galladay might still be a little bit banged up and the rookie, Kadarius Tony, is still getting his feet wet. But I think that, you know, he'll be a guy that they can rely on. And then when those other guys are back and in the mix, then it's just a, who do I pick? You know what I mean? If they start covering Evan Ingram too much, then guys like Galladay and Tony and Shepard and. I uh, forgot his name again, but all of them are, are, are going to be problems for for, <laughs> for defenses. I sound like an idiot. Anyway, it's Evan Ingram. You're great. Evan Ingram. Anyway, yes, I have the draft up now. Obviously, they took Kadarius Tony. I just mentioned him. Uh, Aziz Ojulari, who I just pointed out. So that while everybody questioned the first round pick and was like, ooh, maybe that's a little bit too early for him. Then they just had Aziz Ojulari fall into their laps in the second round. Um. So He was my best pass rusher. I know, draft, right? So that
1: was, that was amazing.
0: So they get Aaron Robinson, a cornerback out of UCF in the third round, uh, rounding up some more defensive players later on, and then they did take a running back in the sixth round, Gary Brightwell out of Arizona. So, yeah, how do we feel about the rookies for the New York Giants this year?
1: You know what? You just brought up my rookie to watch. The sixth round pick, Gary Brightwell out of Arizona. This is absolutely a flyer of a pick to be highlighting, but definitely not something that is out of the realm of possibility. Obviously, we're obviously hoping that Saquon Barkley can stay healthy. He's our guy, our PSU guy, and obviously he makes the Giants much more fun to watch when he's on the field versus when he is off the field. With that being said, other than his rookie year, we haven't seen it. Knock on wood, we see it this year. With that being said, if something were to happen, I don't love the depth that the Giants have behind him this year. Obviously, they have Devontae Booker, who is not having that great of a camp. Her reports, Corey Clement uh, from the Philadelphia Eagles, is Farley—Farley, that's not a word—is— very much outplaying him. Uh, but even even that, I mean, I think Corey Clement's an all-right player, but I wouldn't say that he's a world-beater by any stretch of the imagination. And I feel like that opens the door for Gary Brightwell. I think Gary Brightwell is a player that through his collegiate career, he just really didn't have much opportunity i don't think it was for lack of talent it just wasn't he was on the field very much not for any kind of negative reason it wasn't he was involved with any kind of legal trouble or anything like that i just think he never really got the chance but i think he's a really well-built Uh, Running back I think he's capable of Handling both inside and outside Runs I think he doesn't have breakaway speed But he has enough that he can get to the second Level and outrun a defender and more So than anything I think he really Does run with an urgency and He doesn't often get taken down right Away very easily I think he has the ability To shake tackles off or He can even cut outside of a a Defender and and make a move so I think there's a lot of raw talent there So I don't think we'll see it necessarily right away Obviously we're hoping that we see say Saquon Barkley right away. But Gary Brightwell, I think, is definitely a depth piece that could make an impact right away depending on how some cards fall.
0: Absolutely. No, I think that's a I think that's a really great piece. Um, you know, just to kind of reiterate really quick, we both all hope that Saquon's okay, but we've seen it happen last couple of years. He just hasn't been able to be. So you need somebody to be able to step up and it's opportunity meets talent, and he certainly has the talent, and he might have the opportunity. So, I actually, I like that pick a lot. Mine's going to be a little bit more mainstream, but it's going to go with Aziz Ojolari, the Georgia what? pass... yeah My the, favorite pass Yeah, pressure. Josh's favorite pass rusher. It's just so funny how... And this is mirrored with, with Vegas, the Raiders, when people questioned their first pick, and then when they got the second guy, they were like, oh, if you would have just switched those, there would have been no problem. And I th- feel like it's the same thing here. If they would have taken Aziz, at, uh, Aziz Ojolari at 18 in the first round, and then Kadarius Tony has him in the second round, they would have been like, oh, man, what a great draft for the Giants. They got both yeah, of sure. You know what I mean? So it's just funny how things fall, but Aziz Ojolari... J- overwhelmingly most people thought was the best pass rusher in the draft he only played in 27 games uh for the for the bulldogs and 23 starts uh he ended up with 71 tackles 19 and a half tackles for loss 14 sacks five forced fumbles uh one pass defense and one fumble recovery so he's just kind of an all over the player high motor all over the player all over the field high motor player thank you English. But yes, I just I really think that he's going to fit in really well with this attack style defense that I mean Joe Judge and in, in this in this team. I mean, his just hard work, gritty mentality has totally taken over this roster. And this is a team that believes that they can compete in this division if they're going to, it's going to start with their defense and hopefully be capped off and taken through the finish line by their offense as it continues to grow. But I really think that Azizo Jalari is going to be in defensive rookie of the year. Uh, consideration by the end of the year
1: nice I like that yeah
0: all right so let's move to the third team let's go to the Dallas Cowboys our, uh like as I mentioned before uh, Mike is not joining us on this episode just because things have been hectic in our personal lives and we're just kind of throwing this together but we will have him on don't worry friends uh, I know that you guys like when when Mike's on but uh, yeah, the, the, we the, can
1: heckle him about how upset he was during the draft about the drafting of Michael, oh, Michael we were, Parsons, and uh, now everyone's like, "Oh, he's the, the next Bobby Wagner." And it's I just so how hey. how angry he was. Do you remember
0: <laughs> that? I do. Uh, I, I listen. I know. I know Mike well enough. I'm still willing to bet that uh, when we have him on the show and we press him about that, I'm still willing to bet that. Uh, that he still thinks that it was the wrong decision no matter how much he likes him. <laughs> well, now he has to say that because he challenged him. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, I, I like a lot of what the Cowboys did this uh did this uh off season. Oh shoot, why does this keep happening to me? Oh, I'm off my game today. It just fell off the screen. I had all of it right here. Let's fell just... off the
1: screen. Well, I'll take over. Yeah, so you go why... ahead. Player to watch is the center Tyler. I believe his last name is pronounced B Daz. He started a total of four games last year, so we have a pretty small sample size. Uh, but now it's gonna probably turn into a much larger sample size. I think Joe Looney is no longer with the Cowboys, so I think they're gonna be looking for a new center. So I think Tyler Bedaz is obviously the guy that's gonna slide in. And I think even a player we, we've talked for so many years that the strength of the Dallas Cowboys has been their offensive line. I think that's dwindled down a little bit. I don't think it's the perennial best offensive line, just without a doubt, anymore in conversation. But he still has a lot of talent around him, uh, whether or not it's going to be uh, Zach Martin at guard or if, if – um, oh, my goodness, I'm blanking on his name. The uh, Taron uh, – oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm sorry, everybody. Great, great. Uh, Tyron Smith, there we go. Thank you very much, everybody. I think they just have a lot of still really, really solid pieces. So when you have that much depth and experience and veteran leadership, I don't think you necessarily need to be an absolute world beater. I think you just need to keep up with the people in front of you and next to you and, and play off of them and play off that intensity and that experience, and And I think it's going to really translate well for, for Tyler B. Daz. I think he's going to slide in there, and as long as we don't see center to quarterback mistakes, because obviously... Dak wasn't there when when B-Daz was playing those four games, and Dak has been missing some practices, so we haven't seen a lot of communication between them uh, as of yet. But with that being said, as long as uh, those center quarterback mistakes don't happen, I feel like he can slide in and and do a fine job pivoting that offensive line there.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, You know, Dallas' big thing, like I said, I mentioned when we talked about Washington, is that Dallas' offense is going to be pretty great. Uh, it's just if their defense can play better, and that was a big thing that they did was they kind of overhauled their defense. They brought in, uh, I believe they brought in uh, Quinn right as the defensive coordinator, and yep. uh, they're they're really hoping that he ends up being uh, a big thing for them. And they they had a pretty good draft too. I liked a lot of the things that they did. Uh, one of the big Offseason, I won't even say big because it's just a one-year contract that they signed. But I really like Malik Hooker this year. I liked it. That, you know, we we talked so many times that we they needed some safety help, and uh, there was the Jamal Adams rumors and trades, and then there was talk about you know who would they draft in the draft, who would be a guy that they would that they would bring on, and I really like Malik Hooker, who at a time everybody was really freaking out about in Indianapolis as this big big player, big star safety for for the Colts and dealt with injuries. You know, that's what happens with a lot of these teams, but Bully Cooker is not that old of a player. And I think that there is a role for him. I and mean, he's still 25 years old, only four years in the league, former first round pick, uh, 15th overall, if I'm remembering correctly out of Ohio state. And I think that he has a real opportunity here to slide into a role for the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, not a ton of other moves made for, for Dallas offseason. obviously in the, in the draft. They, we, you know, we just mentioned the, um, the Micah Parsons thing and they ended up getting Jabril Cox, another player that you really liked. Um, and I just think that Dallas is gonna come into the year as Dallas always does, with so such high expectations. Because they always do. They're the Dallas Cowboys and and that's what they are. They're America's team and We'll see how they can come along. But, I, I mean, I really like the way you, you talked about their offensive line, though, because they're not the best in the league anymore. They were There was a handful of years there were, it was like, they're clearly the best, and nobody else is, is coming close to them. But they've been maligned the last couple of years, and there were a ton. of I think something being forgotten about Dallas is that last year there were injuries on the line as well. You brought that up. In your spiel about uh, Tyler B. is that how you say his last name? B. Daz? B. Daz. B. Daz. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I liked it a lot. But uh, I'm going to go It's probably D- totally
1: wrong. It's probably like, <laughs> be Salas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the publication that you found his name didn't have all the accents, right? That was the problem. <laughs> Let's go over to the rookie side for you. What do you got, pal?
1: So I am going to go with their second round pick, Kelvin Joseph. He is a cornerback out of LSU DBU University. What?
0: My screen says LSU. My screen says Kentucky, <laughs> and I really what? hope I really hope it is Kentucky because I want there to be DBU Kentucky now. <laughs> my thing says Kentucky. Now, I could be wrong. Let's look my, at a stat guy. I'm all sort stat I'm all guy. To confuse. Kelvin okay, Joseph, right? So he, he
1: played for both LSU and Kentucky. Uh, okay, was we're right. He drafted out of Kentucky. Boom, so we got we go. it. Yes, no, we got it. Uh, <laughs> you, you are correct, but I feel like I'm not totally wrong. Thank you, so, Stat Guy. Know, he, still, he still played at LSU. So we're he, still going to call gots, him, yeah. We're still going to call it DBU. Some, he still got some
0: DBU in him,
1: some DB classes, if you will. So, obviously, uh, a big target of everyone in the draft thought Dallas was going cornerback, and then we saw J.C. Horn go to the Panthers, and then we saw Denver kind of—I don't know if you want to shock everybody—take and Patrick Sertan, who obviously did really awesome in his preseason debut— but I think Kelvin Joseph is definitely a player that can come in and make an impact right now. He is not listed as a starter on the depth chart, but I feel like that could definitely change if not by the start of the season as the season progresses. I feel like Joseph is just a raw inexperienced player, kind of similar to what I was saying about Brightwell, but I feel like he plays with a ton of confidence. He held up really well against, uh, when they played Alabama, he had an interception, he had, uh, and two incompletions and only three targets. So, obviously, that's pretty good stats as as a DB. And I just feel like he is uh, consistent with high-pointing the ball. And so, obviously, this is a team that gave up some yards, gave us some points, uh, and, and you don't want to get beat deep. So, I think if you can track the ball and look behind you as a wide receiver or a corner running out wide and you can track it and play it well that way, that's just as, just as if not good as as being in the perfect spot because you can you can correct and you can keep up if you're able to track it that way. So like I said, he doesn't come in with the most experience, but I think you can definitely see him being called upon. Uh, if, Like I said, if not the start of the season, I'm really confident we'll see him by week eight.
0: I like that. That's a really good pick and glad that we figured out where he went to school. Um, regardless I'm also going to go cornerback I'm just going to go a little bit later in the draft and I'm going to go with with I think it's Nashawn Wright or nation Wright. I think it's Nashawn Wright though Uh, and I didn't even first of all I, I, I should say I didn't even know this was a draft pick I was just watching the Hall of Fame game and I saw this giant corner he is six foot four playing and I was like what is this and he was just stuck on all of these receivers completely stopping them and I was shocked so Nashawn Wright is their is is their third third round pick this year uh 99th overall pick out of Oregon State he as I said he's a six foot four corner and at five interceptions in his in his career at Oregon State uh, sophomore, junior year, and then obviously was drafted this this past offseason. And I just really think that there's roles to be played in the secondary for all the reasons that you just mentioned. They needed cornerback help, and they ended up taking a couple of them in the draft. And I really th- I really love the idea of a tall corner that can, that can still move fluidly and have speed. And I just – like I said, I didn't even realize he was one of their draft picks until I was watching this game, and I was like, this kid has – something and i just think that you very rarely see corners that big of course i think the 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 big thing it, when it was the legion of boom in seattle was that their corners in secondary were bigger i think richard sherman's 6 foot 3 if i'm not mistaken but they have these these bigger you know taller physical corners that were able to cover these receivers and i think that this is a guy who, with Dan Quinn there, who was there in Seattle, likes the bigger corners, and I think that he can absolutely snag a role. Whether it, you know, it may not have to be the second corner across from Trevon Diggs, their pick from last year, or whoever else they would might bump up, but I think that he absolutely can and will play a role for this team heading into the season.
1: I like that. I like that. I think, you know, I, I feel really confident. Here is my bold statement: Okay, that one of our two DBs is going to make an impact.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, and <laughs> with honestly, it's just like I wanted to say Micah Parsons just because we had that little little spat with with our with our dear friend Mike over the draft coverage about Micah Parsons, but uh I really just like the how many times have I said on all these you know preview shows that it's opportunity meets talent. He has the talent and if <laughs> secondary in Dallas is probably the most needed position in the entire nfl so uh, i really like the Ah, bold statement yeah it's fine i'm just being silly anyway uh well we're looking forward to having you on mike you can stick up for yourself i'm sure you will not hold back uh let's go to the last and least team in the division the maligned philadelphia eagles Ooh, they're just question mark after question mark of this team obviously the hiring of Nick Sirianni Uh, I I do want to bring up something really quick before we go to um, the breakout and the rookie thing because I thought that this was one of the more fascinating articles I read Uh, it talked about teams that go worse to first right because there are Ever I don't. There's not one every year, but every couple of years, there's there's a team or two that goes from worst to first. Right, it happens. Last year, it did happen. Last year, uh, Washington I went from three and thirteen to seven and nine and won the division. <laughs> I'm just pointing it out. But then there's teams like Chicago in 2018 that went from five and eleven to twelve and four. 2017, Philadelphia themselves did it from seven to nine to thirteen and three. So, you know, these things do happen. And so I read this article, it was on ESPN Plus, and it said, what teams go worst to first? So there's a couple of uh, of criteria here. So, one, they make a change of quarterback. Two, they make changes to their coaching staff. Three, they were unlucky in a prior year, something that we've talked about a lot. Just, you know, they, they lose in, like, one-score games and things like that. Um, they had terrible turnover ratios. Uh, and then their schedule their schedule got easier. And, of course, the rest of the division wasn't very good or declined noticeably. So in they made this list, the top ten. Philly's number three on this list in terms of fitting this criteria. Now, I'm not sitting here pounding the table for Philadelphia Eagles to win the division. But I did find it very fascinating that they fall into that all those categories in a division that, as much as we believe that Washington and Dallas will be the cream of the crop, is is kind of open a little bit now?
1: I mean, it's interesting. We never know about this division. This division uh, is famously all over the place all the time. So we'll have to see. You know, it's going to be the Giants because no one's expecting that. Why
0: not? They're a really good team. If Daniel Jones doesn't turn over the ball. Danny
1: Dimes. Anyway, go ahead my with your breakout. T- my favorite thing about this time of the year is there's always like a picture of somebody looking like really like jacked and swollen, and like there was one of Daniel Jones. Or like, look how buffy is. you're kidding me! Like- are kidding me? Right? There's one
0: of Daniel Jones.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, he he looked really. You know, it's probably just something about the angle, uh, the way he's throwing the football, but the dude looks jacked. That's fantastic. so regardless.
0: It's fantastic.
1: My breakout player is. Kevon Wallace, he was a fourth-round pick last year out of Clemson. He is a safety. He's technically the third safety on the depth chart right now. With that being said, obviously Rodney McLean—or McLeod, sorry, uh, over there is coming off of his ACL injury. There's obviously a possibility for having three safeties on the field at one point. Uh, So I feel like we could see this young DB kind of step up. What I really like, there's a story that came out after joint practices that the Eagles had with the Patriots. And obviously Wallace was playing with the second string because he wasn't listed as a starter. So he's not one of the top two. So he was at the second string. He's playing against Mac Jones. But while he's off the field, he's watching and studying Cam. And when he does get the opportunity to come out with the first string players, he's calling Cam out for how he's calling the plays. He's predicting what's going to happen. And then it actually happens, so he's able to make a play on the ball So him kind of I don't want to say taunting Cam Because obviously That drives me nuts But I feel like he was playing intelligently To get into somebody's head Which I guess is taunting (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I think he was just taking, especially for preseason practices, making the element chess piece of the game versus just the physical of saying, like, this is what you're going to do, and it actually happened. I don't know if it was designed to happen, if Cam maybe somehow felt peer pressure. That's dumb but to, to do it, but I just think seeing a young man who obviously – Was on a down team last year. Obviously, he didn't have like a first-round pedigree or something. For him to come in and kind of challenge Cam Newton uh, across from him, that's kind of cool. So I I feel like right now I'm kind of rooting for this young guy, and I I feel like you could definitely see his name flash on on the screen a couple times this year.
0: I heard uh, Cam Newton a couple times, and I was just like, buddy, we're not talking about the Patriots right now, and then – (laughs) <laughs> I got lost for a second. <laughs> Breakout player, obviously, for me is Joe Flacco because he's going to – no, I'm just kidding. Um, Joe Flacco looked great. It, just, it was so funny that the, you texted me and you are like, Joe Flacco, the starter. I was like, what are you talking about? Did he make a big play? And you're like, I don't know. There's like a 70-plus yard play. And I immediately went to it and it's like a negative one screen pass that the guy took all the way. I just thought it was so funny that some people were like, oh, yeah, man. I knew you weren't one of those because you were like – you know what I mean but I just thought it's so funny how quickly stuff like oh, that Oh no
1: happens. I'm serious Joe Flacco is going to be the starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles Well that would know what re- about. you
0: know that would really really suck for my breakout player which is their actual quarterback on the roster I just feel like and here's here's my thing about this Is it just me or is Jalen Hurts getting thrown to the wayside here Like like, uh,
1: like Do you do you really want me to answer that
0: I do yes
1: because I'm actually really confused, not only about Jalen Hurts, but I also actually feel like now we we haven't gotten to the AFC East yet, but I feel like Jalen Hurts and Tua Tagovailoa have been like put into this clump. Because I don't know, maybe it's because they played at Alabama before Hertz went down to Oklahoma. But I just feel like everyone is so out on these two quarterbacks already that I'm just so confused about. I agree with you. I feel like Hertz has all sorts of talent. I think he's crazy talented, not only what he can do with his, his arm, but what he can do with his legs. And I do feel like people are just so down on him and I don't
0: understand. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll believe me, we will get to Tua to Tunga But yes. I just feel like people are looking at this as well. Philly's going to have two or maybe three first round picks now that we made the joke that you know Carson Wentz might come back, so they might still get their Philly might still get their first round pick. But regardless, they're like you know Philly's obviously going to take the top quarterback next year, and this is just Hertz's random year. But like I really like what we saw out of Jalen Hurts. I know that his completion percentage is at fifty two percent, although we did just see a quarterback jump over 10-plus percentile percentages in Josh Allen last year, so we know that it could be done. But then he also, obviously, on the ground, he averaged almost six yards a carry, 350-plus yards, three touchdowns. Uh, obviously his his opening game was that big win against the number one defense in New Orleans. It was this huge thing, and he almost led this comeback against Green Bay the week before that. But like, I really liked a lot of what we saw from Jalen Hurts, and he didn't blow anybody away in the preseason game, but I just liked the way he looked and just the command that he had of the offense. And I think that this could actually be a really good year for Jalen Hurts. It just, I like the makeup of the kid, and I think that – I think that the the team really likes him. I think he's a good leader. I mean, Alabama is kind of famous for pumping out guys that are good leaders just because of Nick Saban and the program that they have over there. And I think that this team is built to be good around him. Obviously, we don't know how long Devonte Smith will be injured. Uh, that was obviously really upsetting and just further – points to all the question marks people had about him, including yourself, about his size and and, and working out in the NFL. Uh, They they have Jalen Rager, their first-round pick for last year, who actually looked pretty solid in the preseason, and uh, Quez Watkins, who caught the, the screen pass from Joe Flacco that set Twitter ablaze. But I just think that they have weapons around here. We hope that Miles Sanders, PSU alum is better uh, obviously you liked uh what a lot one of their one of their draft picks or you didn't love the spot that he went to um but Kenny Gainwell out of Memphis I just I think oh, there's yeah. a lot of talent around Jalen Hurts and I think he will have a breakout year this year I don't think we're going to be looking I... at I don't think we're going to be looking at Jalen Hurts as the oh well somebody maybe gets Jalen Hurts now on a trade because Philly took a quarterback next year
1: yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I totally—people have been saying Philly's destined for a quarterback. They don't have a quarterback right now, and I, 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 like I said, I don't understand. But I think that's great. I'm excited to see what Jalen Hurts does with, with similar to all the rookie quarterbacks last year, uh, a full regular offseason. He's going to be the guy now. He's not behind Wentz. There's no confusion or animosity or hurt feelings there. I mean, I feel like that has to be an awkward thing to, to have a guy like Wentz, and then you get— plugged in there. I feel like that has to be awkward, but now the team's his, and so we'll have to certainly see how that translates.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, who do you got for rookie?
1: I'm going to go with, you were talking about Alabama. Uh, I'm going to go with their center, their second round pick, uh, Landon Dickerson. I think obviously I could have talked about Kenny Gainwell, but like you said, I don't really love that he went to Philly with the most crowded backfield that there seems to be in the NFL right now. So I'm going to go with this young man, Dickerson, who was obviously a feel-good story last year. There is... Concern about injury, obviously he's coming off the injury in college, and we'll have to see because we often talk about Philly being such an injured team, especially along that offensive line. So it is certainly a daunting thing to get an offensive lineman that is injured or has an injury concern, a checkered pass in that area. But I think this kid, if he didn't have the injury concern, probably would have been talked about pretty solidly the best center in the in, in the draft last year, in, in my opinion. But I think just those question marks kind of muddied that a little bit. So I feel like he comes in. If he can stay healthy, I think the sky's the limit for this young man. And obviously we've seen players that have had injury issues in college that have never been affected in the NFL. So we'll, we'll certainly hope for, for Landon Dickerson's sake that that is for his career trajectory. And if it is, I, I feel like we're looking at a perennial pro bowler right here.
0: Nice, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I'm gonna. I just want to point out really quick before, um, before I give my actual rookie. I think Devonta Smith is going to come back and be healthy, and I think Devonta Smith is going to be. There. He was but,
1: supposed to return to practice two days.
0: So. Right. So I, I'm just saying that I know that you know. We've talked about him a ton, and he, people will continue to talk about him just because of how uh, how slight he is in his frame. But I do think that he will have a pretty good year this year, uh, and we'll be we won't be questioning questioning that pick down the line. Regardless, I'm gonna go with a. Hang different- on before you before you go. I just have
1: to say you've never you've never used the adjective slight to refer to me when trying to spare my feelings. So what's that about?
0: So my rookie pick is going to be a defensive end Taron Jackson and six round pick out of Coastal Carolina. And I really like these these teams that take stars from smaller schools. But the big thing about this for me, there's two things. One, Coastal Carolina last year had a really, really good year. Uh, They were in the top 25, and they've been on the up and up the last couple of years. But another thing, four-year starter, his first two seasons he played defensive tackle, and then they switched him to defensive end, and he doubled all of his numbers every year. So he finished his career with 190 tackles, 42 of which were for loss, and 24 and a half sacks three pass defense, three fumble recoveries, uh, and six forced fumbles. So he was just an absolute monster for Coastal Carolina. And I really like that as much as we've questioned the the Nick Sirianni and the uh, Nick Casario uh, uh, hirings in Philly and what they're doing and all this stuff, there's a lot of opportunity for young players to crush it, for lack of a better term here. And I really, really like the measurables of Taron Jackson here. And I just think that he's going to be able to get up in there on that defensive line and rotate, whether it's an interior pass rush or an edge rusher. He you know, has played both spots before and has been very good in both cases. I just think that there's a spot for him, and I really, really like this opportunity in Philly. There we go. I like it. All right. So here we go. Who wins the division? Here
1: we go, our final division. What? All right, here we go. Our division. So how are we gonna do this? Uh, this isn't our
0: final division, but go ahead.
1: Oh, you're oh I thought we were moving on. No, to you gotta the pick AFC the you, we, we picked we have the, to winner. the pick the winner. Yeah. yeah, whatever. I got so excited <laughs> you just kill joy. Whatever. I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys. I feel like the Dallas Cowboys probably... This is really hard to say because obviously before the Dak injury, we still saw just such a mixed bag of football. But I'm pretty positive if Dak wasn't injured last year, it it, it wouldn't have been much competition. They would have won more than seven games. I'm pretty confident. So I'm going to go with... I feel like it should be a definitely improved division. I feel like we're not going to be making the NFC least jokes again this year, but I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys. I feel like we talked about those defensive backs. I think bringing Dan Quinn over to be defensive coordinator is going to help solidify some things there, and I think Dak being back is just going to be pretty huge. I, I expect also to see a rebound year from Zeke Elliott, so I'm really mm-hmm. excited for a lot that. of people, A and lot of people I,
0: are excited about Zeke Elliott this year.
1: Gonna going to go with, uh, I believe I picked them last year before changing like 17 times. You did. But I'm going to go back to back and go with the Dallas Cowboys here before the start of the season.
0: So I will say this. uh, My streak of picking NFC East kind of half went down last year uh, because I did eventually recall midseason to Washington and ended up getting it right, kind of. But I didn't pick them to start the year, so... I this is the hardest division for me to pick. It is. Because I really want to believe in Ryan Fitzmagic as much as I love him as a player. And I really want to believe in Riverboat Ron and that defense. And there's part of me that wants to just be really cool and 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 edgy and pick the New York football giants and say they're gonna <laughs> do this. But Mike, I hope you're listening. I am picking the Dallas Cowboys to win the division. What? I just I'm with you. It comes down and I said this is the third time I'll say it. Can Washington's offense play just enough? Can can the Cowboys defense play just enough? And both my breakout and rookie were both on the defensive side for Dallas and I just think that their defense will get it together just enough. And obviously this is always barring injury in any position in the NFL. Barring injury to Dak Prescott, their offense is just going to be way too good. It's not going to be able to be stopped. And so I am going to go with the Dallas Cowboys to win the division. There you go. I did it.
1: Boom. <laughs> Drop the mic.
0: Alright, now go ahead. What were you saying before we picked the division?
1: Oh, I was just saying that we are about to preview our final division. We been.
0: I don't know what that was.
1: I'm <laughs> really curious. As I was gonna,
0: was. I was gonna do a whoop whoop, and the pitch was too high. <laughs> it was, it was way too high, and I was just like, eh, just keep it going for a second. <laughs> it kind of sounded
1: like kind of worth doing, like I like got
0: a feeling. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I just like vocalized for a second. Listen, I have not talked or had much human interaction in the last 14 days, so I'm a little loopy. Anyway, uh, yeah, let's go to the last division. Let's go to the AFC East, our home division here, and we'll start with the previous division winners, the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Oh, uh, dang. So the first time winning the division in 20-plus years. It's pretty crazy, and by far the best offensive season that the Buffalo Bills have ever had. It's pretty crazy. Uh, didn't have a lot of losses, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, one of the big ones would being John Brown, who ended up leaving and moving on to go to Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, other additions, they signed Mitch Trubisky to a one-year contract. Excuse me. Uh, to be the backup quarterback after losing Matt Barkley, their backup, last year. Emmanuel Sanders, big addition on a one-year deal. Matt Burita, who people just... Can't stop raving enough about his camp, although I don't think he looked that good in the preseason game. Regardless, uh, Levi Wallace re-signed, Isaiah McKenzie re-signed, Matt Milano, huge contract, Dylan Williams, huge contract. Uh, they re-signed a lot of their guys. Jacob Hollister was another addition. Um, yeah, I mean, Buffalo's biggest thing was that they re-signed their, some of their biggest players, and they added a couple pieces here and there to fill holes, and obviously Josh Allen with the massive contract. So uh, who's a breakout for you?
1: I'm going to go with a really kind of weird breakout here uh, because I think you love him. I think I love him. uh, But I'm going to go with uh, Tremaine Edmonds. This is obviously a player that's averaged like... 116 tackles a year, and I think he's a great linebacker. But even even in the community of the Buffalo Bills, y- you and I often talked about how sometimes even Bills players or Bills fans aren't fans of Edmonds, They're like get this mm-hmm. bum out of here and 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 whatnot. But I think this is definitely the year that we're going to see him. Uh, I think he's gonna. I will go as far as to say I think he's going to set a new career high in tackles. Okay. I think he's going we're going to see this year him turn that page to becoming that guy that we're like we're so glad he's in the middle and this is a huge anchor point. Even though he already is a huge anchor point in my opinion, but he, he's going to be that that wall right there that isn't being talked about as a liability and and when something bad happens it's like oh my gosh like that's that's a huge bummer versus oh my gosh that's expected so I think Edmonds uh obviously when he was drafted really came into the league very young uh he didn't have as many splash plays if you want to consider that last year as he did the first two years in the league but like I said I think this year the pages is going to turn and he's going to become that guy that a lot of people are like this is the linebacker that we wish was on our team
0: yeah I listen we we, you, you mentioned it as well. We. We both like or sorry. I, we both like Tremaine Edmonds, and I, I think that he's a great. I mean, you have to. I feel like he's one of those players, and he does put up a lot of tackles. Let's be honest; he really does. If you look at his stats, but he's not the guy that gets those fifteen sacks or those five interceptions. Like he, he, he just does everything else so well. And let's not forget; I think he's still only twenty two years old. I mean, he's still a yeah, he's very. He was, young. he was drafted at 19, so he has three years of NFL football under his belt and is still way younger than some linebackers that were drafted in this class. So I, I, I really love that pick a lot. And you're right. I mean, there's at local – people, Bills fans, who call into local Bills breakout, they're like, we need to get rid of Tremaine. He's just a terrible player. And I'm like, you guys don't understand football. I'm sorry. I love your passion, but you don't understand football. Regardless, I let slip Freudian Lee. My breakout player is Devin Singletary, the running back. He's going to be his third year in the NFL. And Devin Singletary is a, a common name being thrown out there as a guy who the Bills might trade, might get rid of because people didn't really like the the performance of the running back position last year for the Bills. But I'm going to, I'm going to drop a stat here that I've been saving since July 5th. It's been saved in my notes for when we did this thing. Okay. So people talked about the Bills being a popular team to draft a running back. And we didn't draft any of any running backs in any round. Uh, but at the, at last year's post uh, post season presser, Brandon B in the GM cited that the blocking in the front from the offensive line and tight ends as the biggest problem for the running backs. Okay, so the, st- the statistics back this up. Singletary was forty fifth and Moss 39th ninth ranked uh, as running backs who with yards before contact before contact, meaning that the both of them were way below the bottom of the league in Guys in your face right away as you're getting handed the ball and the and behind the line of scrimmage, but Devin Singletary ranked fourth in yards after contact. So Devin Singletary and also Zach Moss ranked 14th, but more than that, Devin Singletary was in the top five of yards after contact. And 45th in yards before contact. So the man was actually having a really, really good year. He just could not get past the line of scrimmage because everybody was always in the backfield. And two things that I really love that indicate turning this around is, one, the fact that this has been – a, a, a point of focus in this offseason Bean said it. And interview after interview, they pr- they proved that like this is no, this is like a goal of ours. They drafted Mauler and signed Mahler tackles and guards to fill into those spo- those those roles. And in the preseason game, they ran the football way too much. It's not it's not going to be their identity. We know that it's going to be passing. But they were like, no, we are going to just work on this. We are going to work on this. We're going to show that we're committed to figuring this out. Devin Singletary had a great game and ended up even catching a touchdown pass. I just I really have always loved the player and I love and believe in the talent and I think that they are going to focus on this in this off uh, they're going to focus on this heading into the year and he's just going to have a really really solid breakout season I I know that a lot of people are down on the Buffalo running backs but I just think the stats point out that we were not good at at run blocking last year and this year we're going to focus on it and be way better and I think Singletary is going to come out as the lead guy in that.
1: Yeah, no, I can't complain. Obviously, like you said, that preseason game he put up some good runs. It wasn't like it was a eighty yard run and then a bunch of like ones and twos. It was just consistently good chunks of yardage. I think uh either next week or the following week when we have our, our fantasy draft, that is gonna be a player that when we get to the seventh, eighth, ninth round, if if that name's there, it's not gonna be hard to convince me at all to take him right. because I do right. feel like this is gonna be is going to be a breakout player, uh, very much for what the name of a breakout player is. So. And he's Absolutely. somebody,
0: and he's somebody that just to wrap it real quick, he's somebody that I always liked as a player. That I was like, ah, oh, I guess I like him, but it wasn't somebody that I was would target in a fantasy draft, like you said. But now, especially after seeing how good he looked in the preseason game, now he's a guy that you're right in that. Seventh, eighth, ninth round, I'm going to be like, I'm going to take this guy because he just could walk into a starting running back role that nobody thinks he can because of how bad it looked last year. So, yeah, Uh, but we'll, we'll move on from that and we'll head over to to the draft picks and the rookies.
1: For my rookie pick, obviously I'm not gonna go with one of the top pass rushers that you guys took. I'm gonna go with a third round pick out of Northern Iowa. Spencer Brown, the offensive tackle. I think right now Buffalo probably has their tackle set with Deion Dawkins, although things I've read is that he hasn't been having a great camp. McDermott is not super pleased with him at the moment. I don't know yeah. if that gets corrected. Well he uh, had I mean he, he could had, open
0: it. He had COVID and then when he came back apparently he was out of shape.
1: So that could maybe open open the door for a player. i not could. sure, but obviously
0: you also have Daryl Williams over there. That
1: is a really, really solid piece. Uh, but like I was talking about, sometimes it's just going to be opportunity, and, and offensive linemen are some of the hardest workers they get contact every single play so there are injuries to be had and so this six foot eight guy you're talking about maulers being drafted i feel like he is just uh, a really strong at the point of attack kind of player that if you were to get some semblance of a ground game going which i think obviously you're talking about the identity of the bills being through the air and i do agree that that is more likely than not going to continue to be their calling card but if you do get some semblance i feel like this young uh, offensive tackle could definitely be a key piece right there on the line for you.
0: Yeah, he definitely wasn't a name that everybody was kind of circling or highlighting, but has all the physical traits, just came out of a, a smaller school. And sometimes, you know, I you those players more often than not succeed when you have a great coaching staff. And I think most people agree, we do have a great coaching staff. So we'll see what happens. I swear to you, I wasn't going to go this route with Rookie until the preseason game. And I know that we kind of jokingly talked about this uh being the preseason but i really i'm gonna go with greg rousseau just because i didn't expect him to come out with his as like high of a motor and energy as he did in that first preseason game and we talked about that peninsula giving up that sack on the first third down being maybe a little bit more he he got off balance but i watching the play i think that a lot of it had to do with just how powerful greg was off the point of attack and i i Again, I pro- I was not expecting to pick him. I was going to pick a later-round guy in DeMar Hamlin, the safety out of Pittsburgh, as a rotational guy, who also actually looked pretty good in the preseason game. But... I just love the tenacity of Greg. And it wasn't just the one play. He was in the backfield constantly on the first handful of series that he played. And there's a role for him to to fill on the opposite side of Jerry Hughes and to kind of rotate with A.J. Epinesa and and Boogie Basham, who is obviously our second-round pick. There's a role for him to play as we need pass rushers. And I just love the way he looked, again, against a guy that – in drafting everybody was saying was this generational talent tackle who just got like bullied on the first play that they had and of course like I said first play he did get off balance a little bit but it just it was really exciting as a Bills fan
1: yeah no totally fair to be to be excited I think the reason I texted you because I saw you, you right I sort of trash talk your, a little your wacky <laughs> shenanigans in our in our fantasy league and everything but I I I do agree. I was the one that said I felt it was more on Sewell than I thought it was on on Rousseau but even with that being said it's spectacular for Rousseau to be able to take advantage of that and to use his long frame and his strength to take advantage and and see that situation and get to the quarterback especially in the first play even more so than that like you said throughout his playing time before he got taken out he was making other plays so obviously it's it's extremely exciting when it's the first play of the the NFL season of the preseason when when your first-round pick makes that play, that's great. But at the same time, I think more so than anything, it was that that wasn't just all he did, and that's important to me.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, So yeah, let's just move on real quick, keep things going, go to the second-place team, the Miami Dolphins, who had a chance to make the playoffs last year. uh, With 10 wins heading into the final week, they played the, uh, the Buffalo Bills and just got Stomped, for lack of a better term, and I'm not even gloating there. They really just got stomped. Uh, finished sure at ten, and, finished a ten and six, but still a lot, a lot to be excited about for the Miami Dolphins this year. Uh, key losses including Matt Breda, who go who went to the Bills, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, obviously moved on, who went to the the, the Washington Football Team that you mentioned uh, defensive tackle Devon Gotcho uh, ended up going to the Patriots with the ridiculous amount of money that they ended up spending. Uh, Bills also stole Matt Hawk clearly the best punter in the league from them. Uh, and then Shaq Lawson traded the Texans and Kyle Van Noy ended up reuniting with the Patriots. Uh, big uh, signings for them. They did get uh, Bernardrick McKinney in that trade with the Texans that I mentioned. Will Fuller signed a one-year deal from the Texans. That could end up being pretty big. Uh, Jacoby Brissett moving over from the Colts. Uh, Malcolm Brown, who was actually the starter in the first preseason the game. Um and then they also signed uh, Robert Foster, who was a, a a big rookie for the for the Buffalo Bills, but has not really done much since. So, who do we got for a breakout player for the Miami Dolphins?
1: My breakout player is last year, one of last year's second-round picks for the Dolphins, Raquan Davis, a defensive tackle out of Alabama. I, I remember the the clip of when Miami drafted him. Brian Flores is so excited. He's doing all his hand-check moves in his seat because obviously last year was a virtual draft. I just mm-hmm. remember how excited he was. I think we're going to see a progression this year of why he was so excited. I think Miami uh, with, with Davis combined with Wilkins, who's coming into his third year, is going to make a, it's going to be a pretty formidable front. I, I'm really excited to see what Davis does and obviously you might not see a whole bunch of flashy stats from a defensive tackle position, but I do feel like he's going to impact games and I'm really excited to see what this young guy does on the, on the defensive line.
0: So I'm going to say this uh, really quick and we'll move on because mine is also Roquan Davis. I actually really love the way he fits in, into this defense for, for Brian Forrest, as you mentioned. But I just want to point out to you guys that I don't know if they can t- technically count as breakouts really in, in Will Fuller because we already know how good he is. But I actually think Will Fuller will come back from his suspension and be awesome. For for Tua Tagovailoa and Tua Tagovailoa is also a guy that I I toyed with as a breakout and we mentioned him with the Jalen Hurts thing. P- people just writing him off, but I actually thought he looked really sharp in the preseason game. Obviously, he did throw an interception, but I really liked that he was actually attacking down the field and he just looked to have a, a better command of the offense and more zip on the ball. Uh, so I do like him, but I I Roquan Davis is actually my breakout, no joke. So.
1: Yeah, there we go. Well, I will also say uh, since just so we have different players, although you need a couple. Uh, Also, Albert Wilson, who was a COVID opt out last year, has been he didn't he didn't suit up for that first preseason game, but everything through camp is that he and Tua have been having an amazing connection. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of highlights all over Twitter about them connecting on deep bomb after deep bomb after deep bomb. So I feel like uh, he is definitely a name to watch to see if because. Parker has, has been inconsistent with injuries, and Will Fuller hasn't been practicing uh, every single day as well. He's been taking some days off for injury and whatnot. Wilson has been sliding in there and connecting and creating that continuity and that connection with Tua. So we could maybe see that translate to see if that sort of stuff really does translate to game day versus mm-hmm. the practice field. It's a name to watch out for. Yeah, and
0: he's out. with a guy who had a pretty decent couple of seasons with the Chiefs when they were on their run with, I think it was still with Alex Smith, if I'm not mistaken. Alex Smith. Yeah. And yep. then he moved over over to the Miami Dolphins. And you're right, COVID opt out. He was a guy that we both liked heading into last year, I think. I don't actually, I don't know if you did, but I did. I really did. And yeah, he absolutely could be a guy to look out for. So turning to their drafts, their first two first round picks, obviously, they got Jalen Waddle at number six, number 18 sla- uh, snagged Jalen Phillips, the other Miami defensive end. Uh, That's that's fun. The 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 Dolphins and the Bills both have those Miami defensive ends Uh, later on getting Javon uh, Holland safety Liam Eichenberg, a tackle Uh, Hunter Long falling into the third round the tight end for them. Who do we have as a rookie? I'm
1: going to go with that second round pick you were just talking about uh, Holland safety out of Oregon. Uh, I'm really excited. Obviously, I think Miami's defensive backfield is is a pretty crowded bunch. They have Eric Rowe, uh, Jason McCourty signed there. They still have Brandon Jackson, who they drafted last year. So there's a lot of names, but there's a lot of buzz coming around Javon Holland and and his playmaking ability and his his veteran leadership already for being a a rookie. And so I I, I think he will definitely, it would not be surprising whatsoever if if Brian Flores pulls a, a Belichick move and either released Roe or or something like that, creating a door. Or maybe Holland could even just start next to him. I, I don't know. But I, I definitely am really excited for this second-round pick, uh, Holland.
0: Or even who's to say with the Xavier Howard drama that he doesn't just get traded. You know, We'll see what happens with that. But I don't know how. Uh, that's resolved, Adam. I don't know if it's resolved. We'll see what happens. Regardless, I am going to go with the other <laughs> second-round pick, Liam Eichenberg, Berg, the tackle. Ooh, okay. Uh, right now on the official Miami Dolphins depth chart he's slotted in as the starting left guard right now and I just think that their their offensive line was pretty good last year and I think that it was more of a depth choice but right now he seems to be performing in camp to come out as the starter at left guard for them obviously they have Austin Jackson over at uh, left tackle and then I think Jesse Davis is the right tackle right now but th- obviously there'll be some moving around but I think Eichenberg who was drafted as a tackle can also play play guard that versatility would be very good with him and I think that he'll have an opportunity to get a lot of snaps early on in the season and, and and carve a role for himself
1: yeah I'm not gonna lie Miami's offensive line is something that just really confuses me I feel like they're they're just shuffling so much around to try to find that right combination where obviously they had uh Robert Hunt last year played at a at at right tackle, and they're moving him inside to guard. Solomon Kindley uh, obviously played pretty well at guard last year, but he's not even listed as starter right now. I'm not sure if that was something where he showed up out of shape. There isn't necessarily a story as to why he's not running with the ones right now. But they're just—I I, too—I also thought Eichenberg was drafted to be a tackle, and they're moving him in. And so, obviously, you know, this is a situation where, as a fan, you kind of have to trust the the coaches, and and they're the ones there, and they're making the decisions. But it's it's Often leaves me scratching my head what they're doing with that <laughs> offensive line.
0: Coming straight from the Miami Dolphins fan, my friends. Let's head to the third place team, the New England Patriots, who we don't spend too much time on losses. Obviously, Joe Thune ended up with the Chiefs. Um, Marcus Cannon, was, who was an opt-out last year, was traded to the Texans. And additions, literally everybody that you can think of. <laughs> literally Everybody. They spent the most money in the history of free agency. So let's run through some of the big names. Obviously, they got the two big tight ends in Jono Smith from the Titans and Hunter Henry from the Chargers. They signed Kendrick Bourne, wide receiver from the 49ers, on a three-year deal. They got Nelson Aguilar on a two-year deal, wide receiver from the Raiders. They got Montrevius Adams from the Packers. They signed Henry Anderson from the Jets on a two-year deal. Devon Gottschow, like I mentioned, from the Dolphins. Uh, Matthew Judon from the Raiders on a four-year deal uh Ted Carras on a one-year deal Raquan McMillan from the Raiders on a one-year Jalen Mill is on a two-year deal uh am I done yet uh Kyle Vernoy on a two-year deal I mean they literally just signed everybody they spent so much money in free agency and this is a team that finished at 7-9 with as many opt-outs as they had with as many injuries as they had the first year without Tom Brady it was just all over the place and still finished 7-9 so this is a very uh kind of popular pick for some people to be like I believe in the Patriots with all these people coming back I'm scared of the Patriots again with everybody coming back who do you have as a breakout
1: I'm going to go with a second-round pick from last year, Josh Ucha, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. He uh, got drafted out of Michigan. He only played in nine games last year due to to injury and whatnot, but I think he showed so much potential. And obviously, like you said, this is going to be a super crowded team, especially with players coming back and whatnot. So we might not see a player like Ucha start, but even in his limited games last year, he played nine games, like I said, He had only nine tackles and one sack, but in that short time, he was tied for the fifth most quarterback pressures on the team. So if you take that out, obviously there were 17 weeks last year. He only played in nine, which is a half and a little bit more than everybody else, but to be tied for fifth in quarterback rushing – pressures excuse me I feel like it's a really impressive thing and I feel like he has a lot of explosiveness and I think he could definitely be a key pass rusher uh, on that team when he gets the opportunity when his name is called
0: I like that a lot I like that a lot I'm gonna go with I actually have Josh J in I think all of my dynasty leagues that have Defensive players, so regardless, I'm going to go with Jacoby Myers, the wide receiver who kind of had a breakout last year. I don't know if he counted a breakout when he finished 50th in yards and 50th in receptions, but he did finish with 59 receptions and 729 yards last year. Uh, he did not catch a touchdown pass although he did throw a touchdown pass um, it's going to be his third year out of NC State look at me again being a homer NC State right around the corner uh, six I foot feel two. like
1: you just picked everybody from North Carolina it sounds like uh, so the first did one Did really do any research for this Adam
0: The first one I definitely did that but <laughs> this one I just walked into it I was like oh my god he literally went to NC State <laughs> regardless uh, six foot two out of NC State it's going to be third season and I think you really found a rapport with Cam Newton who who I personally think will be the starter for most of the year, although most people are, a lot of people are on this Mac Jones train. I really think Cam Newton likes him. He's his go-to guy right now. You know, they signed Kendrick Bourne and and Nelson Aguilar and they signed both these tight ends. I know they're gonna to want to run this power run two tight end set, but I really like Jacoby Myers as a guy that can get open over the middle and catch a bunch of passes and first downs and things like that. I just really like the way he plays, and I think that he will end up being the number one target for Cam Newton because he's so comfortable with him. Uh, whereas last year I thought it might be Nikhil Harry. So I could be wrong because I picked Nikhil Harry last last year for this. But I really, really like like Jacoby Myers as a player. And I think that he will end up being their number one target.
1: You know who I miss? Who do you miss? Jacoby
0: Jones. Jacoby Jones. <laughs> hey, he he's still, a fun player. He still has two of the best uh, plays in playoff history. I almost wrote Jacoby right. Jones, and by the way, as I was writing Jacoby Myers on my sheet when I'm t- keeping track, but yeah, he has the the Denver the mile high the miracle and mile high from the Joe Flacco pass, and then that same postseason he had the touchdown return in the in the in the Super Bowl, right?
1: And and his awesome dancing,
0: absolutely. Anyways,
1: little little reminiscing there. There can't remember can't guy... remember who's in
0: what division, but can remember random plays from ten years ago. <laughs> For my rookie, I'm going to go with uh, their
1: third-round pick this year, Ronnie Perkins. Ronnie Perkins was a pass rusher that I really, really liked coming out of this draft. I was relatively shocked that he fell so far, and I do feel like it is a steal for New England. It's a steal that makes me a little bit uncomfortable uh, because I feel like he is going to make an impact, if not... Maybe we won't see him right away with all the names that we we're talking about being on this team, but I think down the road he is definitely going to be a key piece that people are like, where did this guy come from?" and "How did he get in the third draft, the third round, and whatnot?" So I think he is maybe a little undersized at six foot three. I wish I felt that way about myself uh, <laughs> to be. Uh, an edge rusher and whatnot, but I definitely do feel like he is just a really prominent player. I think during his time, he had some issues avoiding trouble while he was at Oklahoma and whatnot. I think Bill Belichick is definitely the coach to kind of correct those issues, though, and to keep players on the straight and narrow. We've seen it with players with egos and whatnot just kind of come in and and say they're going to put their head down and work and and whatnot. And obviously we saw Cam Newton come out last year and say that Bill Belichick is a little more fun than than we sometimes get to see, which is absolutely. Cool. But yeah, Ronnie Perkins is definitely a player that I absolutely feel really strongly about being a rookie to watch.
0: And and Ronnie Perkins, a guy that some people did actually have mocked at the end of the first round. Like, I saw a couple of mocks that had him at the end of the first round and definitely in the second round. So the fact that he fell as, as far as he did is, is, is actually, you know, very worrisome, especially that they went to the Patriots. So... I'm going with my guy Ramondre Stevenson here. And let me just say this real quick because he's obviously, <laughs> he's another he's another guy that I drafted in Dynasty just as like a whim. I really wasn't another guy that I really wasn't going to pick until I saw him play the preseason. And I also want to point out this is not because of the 91-yard touchdown, although he did have a 91-yard touchdown that was pretty sweet. It's because he looked pretty great before that. Haven't? He had one touchdown before that and got a lot of good work in short-yarded situations and I think every single time he had a short yard run, he picked pick up a first down. That was big. But another big question about Ramondre was that he's this bruiser running back. Can he have the speed? And then, boom, busts up a 91-yard run. Now, I like Damian Harris a lot. I really, truly do. And I know that they have James White there as well. I know they still have Sonny Michelle. So there's a lot of running backs in this backfield. But I really like Ramondre Stevenson to end up being that number two option in the backfield. And I really like him on the goal line with Cam Newton. I think that a package with both tight ends, Cam Newton and Ramondre Stevenson with a couple extra linemen in there on the goal line, it will be almost impossible to stop this year. It's one of the reasons why I'm terrified of the New England Patriots this season, but I really, really like Ramondre Stevenson this year.
1: Well, there we have it, my friends. We just completed our first ever in four seasons, our first full summer Divisional breakdown. Yeah, and,
0: I'm proud of us. I'm also proud that we're true to form. And for the second episode in a row, we're skipping the last team in, in a division. Oh, we, I'm
1: supposed d- to pick the winner now, aren't I? No, because oh, we, we didn't talk, didn't about, the talk about the Jets.
0: <laughs> wow. We are so good, man. Like, like, I like, we. Uh, uh, I mean, term- do we
1: need to talk about the Jets? I um, <laughs>
0: This happened last time when we talked about I skipped the Texans, and I said the same thing. I said, do we have to talk about the Texans? Let's talk about the Jets just real quick before we have a a celebratory party about wrapping up our full divisional previews. So uh, key losses for the Jets. They lost Henry Anderson to the Patriots. They lost Rashad uh, Perriman, the wide receiver, to the Lions. Uh, Didn't lose a ton of people. Obviously, Joe Flacco started some games from last year, ended up leaving Pat Afline, uh, ended up going to the Panthers. Uh, They also did have a player, Terrell Basham, linebacker, that signed with the Cowboys. Uh, Not a ton of additions, although they did get Corey Davis, who was a big uh, wide receiver. We didn't know really he was going to end up going. Uh, They did get Tyler Croft from Buffalo, LaMarcus Joyner. Um, And I think they got, yes, they got Sheldon Rankins as well. Uh, Draft picks, of course, they ended up with Zach Wilson in the second overall pick. Uh, They ended up getting Elijah Vera Tucker trading back up into the first round. Uh, USC offensive lineman that we both had going in the top 15. Uh, So a big guy there. Then they get Elijah Moore, one of our favorite wide receivers out out of Ole Miss. And then Michael Carter, the North Carolina running back in the third round. So, my friend, breakout player for the team that we forgot about.
1: Going to go with a player once again that is kind of a weird one because i think he's already really well established i'm going to go with Quentin williams I like Quentin I he's Williams. talked about as one of the great premier young defenders in the league already. But I feel like we're going to see him take a jump, which is going to say a lot because last year he finished with seven sacks, 55 tackles, and that's pretty good from his lineman spot. But I'm really excited to see what this happens with this new system uh, with Robert Sala coming over. We know how many times have we seen the, the clip of Robert Sala being just so pumped up and having to be withheld from going out on, on the sideline and whatnot. I think he is going to be – inspiration to his players and I feel like as we talked about the Jets last year kind of being yeah, I mean, we can, we can put it politely and say a dumpster fire. I feel like a lot of players kind of checked out. They talked about not even wanting to be there. Obviously, that's what happened with Jamal Adams. He was so excited to be out of New York and to be on a team that was going to be competitive. And so to say that, obviously, not all players have that mindset. But for, for somebody like Quentin Williams, who had the kind of production that he had, and now to come into a new system and to have new fire lit under him and a new system that could definitely highlight his skills in a, in a defensive mind, I'm really excited to see what this young guy can do.
0: Absolutely. I really like that pick a lot. Uh, Former top pick in the draft as well. Uh, I'm going to go with Tevin Coleman, the running back that they brought over from the 49ers. Tevin Coleman, a guy who's been injured a lot in his career, obviously was the last year and a half or so. I really, really like his opportunity. I know people are pumped about Michael Carter, the running back, and I think he's going to play a good role for this offense as well but another running back going under the radar a guy that you again if we want to talk about fantasy you can get later in rounds that i think can actually be very valuable for you especially early on in the season i just i like that he's coming over with Salah and that lafleur offense that is going to be that zone run scheme that i think that he fits so well and i think he's just going to start the year and and, and be really really strong for them so yeah i like tevin coleman this year
1: I like that. We'll definitely see how long uh, Tevin Coleman is going to be around. We'll see if Carter becomes uh, a number one guy. I definitely think it's a good pick. For my rookie, I'm going to go over to their second round pick, or their second first round pick, excuse me, Elijah Vera Tucker, the guard. Like you said, we really touted him really highly uh, in the draft season. And obviously, he was a first round pick for a reason. But I think as they come in, and you're talking about that. LaFleur Shanahan system that they're gonna they're gonna want maulers. They're opening up run lanes I feel like Tucker in a way Could be maybe the most important first-round pick that they have there because I think he's gonna help Keep a clean pocket for Wilson and make those running lanes. He's not gonna be obviously flashy and winning games But I think he's gonna do a lot of work to make that a possibility.
0: Yeah, absolutely and you know, Zach Wilson was the we knew they were taking a quarterback it really is just a matter of one they like, so that's fine. But the trading back up and getting Tucker that late, I think will be really, really huge for this team. I'm going to go with the next player they picked in the Ole Miss wide receiver, Elijah Moore. I really, really like him as kind of a move around speedster, does end arounds over the middle. I won't say gadget player because I, I think he's he's bigger than that as well. This These Jets – Team needs wide receivers. Obviously, they signed Corey Davis, who's been a little bit banged up, but played in the preseason game. They have Denzel Mims, who they took last year that a lot of people were high on, but didn't really look that great at times. And now they have Elijah Moore in there last year, finishing with 1,200 yards and uh, eight touchdowns, having 16 total in his career. So doubled his career total in his final year in Old Miss. And I just think that there's a role for him and an opportunity for him. And sometimes you see rookies coming together, that quarterback wide receiver combo that develop a relationship because they understand each other. And I think that Zach Wilson and Elijah Moore will will have that kind of connection.
1: I like that. Yeah. Uh, Reports out of camp have been strong for the rookie. So absolutely a name to watch. Absolutely. All right. There we have it.
0: Who's winning the division?
1: Uh, definitely, definitely the Jets. They're going to be first okay. to first this year. Fair no, enough. I'm kidding. I think it's going to be the Buffalo Bills. I think their time is still here. The window is definitely open. I hear what you're absolutely saying. I think it is going to be uh, a close. I don't think it's necessarily going to be something where the Bills are like 14 and 3 and everyone else is like 8 and 9. I do feel like the Dolphins and the Patriots are gonna be competitive this year, but I think uh, the Bills are still reigning top in the AFC East this year.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna pick I'm still picking the Bills too. So I, I kinda wanna ask you just to expand like a little bit, because we have a little bit extra time and I only have one other thing that I want to cover and all of our other re- episodes ran past an hour forty, so at five or ten <laughs> minutes still. I just I I wanna like I'm picking the Bills too, obviously, but tell me Like, where's the path for the Dolphins and the Patriots who I am actually afraid of as a Bills fan?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously the path of the Patriots, I I don't want to say both answers are the quarterback, but in in some ways, both answers are the quarterback. Because obviously the last year we didn't see a a great Cam Newton. Uh, I kind of disagreed when he was like, I'm better. There aren't 32 people that are better at this job than me in the world. And I, I feel like I need to now see him back that up. I don't think we're ever going to see the MVP Cam again. I think that it, that player is gone. Okay, but I think he okay. definitely is better than what he showed last year. So For I sure, that's I important. agree. It, and if he doesn't show it, then then you have the the rookie waiting in the wings, and we'll have to see how that translates. I don't I don't know how it will. I know you weren't the hugest Mac Jones fan, but it, it also comes down to just all those additions. You just listed every NFL player that yeah, signed right. with one team and then they also were one of the most widely affected teams by covid opt out so getting those players back is obviously huge and key as well so for the patriots it's just getting everyone to gel together obviously it's it's going to be new for not only the returning players because they have to work with all the new players now and so it's really going to be a new team dyna- dynamic so getting that to gel together i think is really important for how they succeed as Uh, as far as how far they they go this year. For the Dolphins, I think it is going to be the the turning of the tides for Tua Tungavailoa. Absolutely. I think Miami has a really quiet, great defense. I don't think it's talked about. They right now have uh, the league streak uh, of games with a consecutive takeaway. We'll see how long that continues. That's pretty cool. If it does. Yeah, that's really cool. But they're – in my opinion, I think they are top five defense that doesn't get talked about. Talked about it in that way. I think I would I think agree with the that. Additions that they did uh, the safety. I like. I said I really like uh, Javon Holland. I think. Uh, We'll have to see if Jalen Phillips translates to the NFL and can stay healthy and whatnot. I really, really like McKinney. All reports about him and camp have been really strong. So that Mm -hmm. defense is definitely going to be a key Mm -hmm. proponent there. And then, like I said, it comes down to Tua. Tua, yeah. I also like like from what I saw – from the highlights, I think he was more decisive. I think he was a little bit more mobile. And there were times that I think he put the ball, if he put it anywhere else, it wouldn't have been caught. And I feel like that can be tricky sometimes if the defense just catches on a little bit. But for right now, I think you kind of just trust it and, and, and see where it goes. So
0: so I absolutely agree with you. As much as I'd love the Bills to go 15-2, and 16-1, and, 16 and, and one, I, I don't think that's going to happen this year I do think it'll come down in the last couple of weeks but yeah I'm, I'm, I think it's gonna be a tough division this year so I do have one little tidbit that I think is kind of funny making a chuckle out of you and then that's all I have so apparently one person in Michigan placed two large bets on the Lions this year he bet $500 at 250 to 1 odds for Detroit to win the Super Bowl and he also placed a $1000 bet on them to uh at least make it to the Super Bowl. So, if the Lions make it to the Super Bowl, he will get $100,000 and if they win, he will get 125 more $1000. So, if the Lions make it and win the Super Bowl, this man will win $225,000 and i think that's incredible faith and i would just point out the other little tidbit is that the day after this happened a report came out that quote jerogoff has has Remind Dan Campbell of a Rams-NFC title game victory. And i the only reason I wanted to point that out is I thought it was funny. I thought it was really funny, the timing of those things coming out. But also, if you remember on our episode where we previewed the Super Bowl the next, year, the next week, I specifically pointed out how good I thought Jared Goff looked in that game. So I just thought that that was pretty fun for a little tidbit.
1: I would love to have the expendable money where it's like, let's just put $1,000 on the Lions. <laughs> Oh my god! Wait, you know I what just, sounds like a fun thing? This.
0: You know what sounds like fun? Dropping fifteen hundred bucks on a whim, just in case. <laughs> just in case the Lions put enough kneecaps to make it to the Super Bowl. Insane. Well, that's all I, I have. Do,
1: <laughs> I do have a crush on it. Okay, um, to good. Go off good. of our last episode. Last episode, obviously, I went off on the the league, the players for their their COVID. Uh, vaccinations and whatnot but we had to celebrate the Atlanta Falcons are the first team to officially hit 100 percent completion oh yeah vaccinated players, and staff, that's why they're gonna win cetera, this Super Bowl so way to be arthur winning Smith arthur blank
0: winning the be. division this year i called it you heard so you it first just like
1: back you just backtracked though like don't think I didn't realize you're like what are the Super Bowl oh josh is still talking winning the division so which one is it rossi <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to Simultaneous Catch, folks. This has been a really fun <laughs> Hey, yeah, we did it, We, we did, did it pal. all our previews. Yeah. That is wonderful. I'm proud of you. We are,
1: I'm <laughs> proud of you as well. So, well, obviously, we get to turn to some fantasy football. Yeah, in excited. Of weeks, which will be super exciting. And then uh, the season is rapidly approaching, which is yep. awesome.
0: So, at the very least, two more episodes before the season starts in three weeks, man, it's coming full steam ahead. So, we're going to have our fantasy episode and we're also going to have our, you know, season prediction episode where we do awards, things like that. But, yep, coming full steam ahead. And then we will be once a week, uh, having one bye week during the year, hopefully, not two this year. But we do the best that we can here on Simultaneous Catch. We're very, very excited. Anything else, my friend?
1: There we go. Just everybody, thank you so much for listening. If we have new listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Make sure to give us a follow and all that good jazz. Absolutely. Uh, For returning listeners, you guys are the best.
0: Thank you for listening to Simultaneous Catch, folks. God bless.